0: Fire! From Philadelphia, 860 AM, WWDB Radio. Last week, you might remember I mentioned the name of a Marine Corps general by the name of Smedley Butler. He's famous in Marine Corps circles. Four-star general, highly respected, very honorable, very tough fighter, ironically, He was a Quaker from Westchester, which isn't too far from here. Remember I said that. Marine General, the Quaker from Westchester. I spent a little time uh, when I grew up living in Westchester. I know a little bit about the Quakers from Westchester. It's a very important part of this story, but the point that I want to make right now is that by every measurable standard, Smedley Butler was a model Marine. His name and legacy are taught to marine recruits in boot camp, and Smedley Butler is a leader that every American re- can respect. But none of that is why I bring it up here. It's what did he did. What he did after he got out that's most important. That's what I want to talk to you about today. What he did after he was discharged. He did something that we don't find very often today, and that is that he spoke up. He spoke out, and he spoke the truth. Think about that today as you think about the generals that we see on TV, whether they're retired, they they take up these nice positions offering their opinions, but what are they really saying? Smedley Butler, he gave a speech that quickly became famous. I guess you could say in some circles it became infamous. It was called War is a Racket. It was later produced into a book. It's about an hour long, not something that you might enjoy listening to, Uh, so I'm not going to go through all of that, but the content of it is very important. It's what he said that's important to know. Remember what I said. This is a, a, a high-level general, highly respected, highly decorated. So what is so important about all this? Well, he set an example for Marines, that for, for sure. But he also set an example for everyone that I think is very important that we understand with everything that's going on today. The story of Smedley Butler uh, is another story that's not well publicized. And a lot of disinformation that's put out there, both about him and the book, War is a Racket. Now, I suppose that's because Smedley Butler and his war as a racket talk wasn't really good for business, and we're going to get into that a little bit too. But he knew what was right, and his story over 100 years ago remains as true then as it does today. You're going to be absolutely blown away when I tell you what he said and how that compares exactly with what we see going on today. But there's two other big stories that I'm hoping we can get to both if we have time today. The first is not being made very public, but this is really huge. Growing dissension in the ranks of veterans that are not happy with the direction of our military. I cannot emphasize this enough to you what's going on. You've got retired military, and I'm not talking about, you know, low-ranking enlisted. I'm talking about high-ranking officers that are making public, in writing, their opinion. And it's not good about the current military leadership. But that's not the big story as far as I'm concerned. I'm more concerned about the reaction. This is a bit of a soft coup going on that you see happening right now. But the reaction is very telling. Fascinating what's going on. Nobody knows about it until we talk about it here today. If we have time, I want to talk a little bit about Stuart Scheller. Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. Maybe you know the name. He was in the news recently. He's a modern-day Smedley butler. The good news is Scheller isn't a peace activist either but he does believe in doing what's right. Wait till you hear this story. Lots to talk about today. Welcome to Project Chaos, a radio show like no other. How can I make that claim exactly? This journey began way back in 1990 when the Iraqi army attacked the city of Kafji. A lot happened on that night, and it's all detailed in my book, Victory Over Chaos. But here's how it relates to the radio show. The Iraqis attacked a multinational sector with only a few U.S. Marines. When the Iraqis attacked... Every single one of those other nations' fighters turned and ran. They ran, they deserted us, and they deserted two teams of our army brothers who were trapped in the city. As a result, the two army trucks and the two marine teams, the drivers, all trapped in the city. When everyone else turned and ran, what did we do? We moved up closer to the city. When everyone else turned and ran, they needed volunteers to extract the personnel who were trapped. When the commanding officer asked for volunteers to enter the city, every single one volunteered. Absolute striking difference. While every single one of the other fighters ran, every single one of ours did the exact opposite we ran toward the fight. Here's my point about all that. It's not that we were special because we weren't. This isn't a story about special forces or special operations. It's about a special commitment that we shared. That commitment was that we would never give up, not on ourselves and not on each other and that we would never turn our backs on our country. It's an oath that we all share, every one of us, Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines. It's the one identical bond that we all share. We all took the same oath of enlistment, and it does not expire. We are in a difficult time right now, a moral and leadership crisis on every level. It's chaos every day, a new crisis. But I have good news for you. It's always been like that. Probably always will be. This country was born out of conflict. and I want to share something important about that. The first book that I wrote six years ago now, Common Sense by Thomas Paine, I translated it from Old English to Modern English. In the process, I learned a lot about the Revolutionary War and human nature. The book is very much a story in itself. But here's the point. When given the option of freedom or security, most people will choose Security. Most people will play it safe, not do what's right. Most people, in the face of conflict, will turn and run. Well, we don't have that problem. For 250 years now, America's fighting men and women have led this country through its greatest struggles— Project Chaos is here to bring you the voice of our nation's warriors, not just stories, but sacrifice. It's about history, about preserving our legacy. And I get it. There are many people today who don't know our history and don't understand why this legacy is so important. And we can help you with that, too. This is Project Chaos, a radio show like no other. It's been a real journey getting to this point, listening to talk radio, this very station since I was just 10 years old. It's been a lifelong dream to be behind this microphone. In the past six years, I've produced over 1,600 podcasts and counting. I've published three books, with the newest book being number four. I say all this to tell you this. My goal, as I'm honored to speak about the Marine Corps, our military, and our country, and to do it from the studios at WWDB, my goal is simply to provide the best possible radio show with the highest level of integrity. I don't care about being the biggest or the highest paid since I was seventeen years old and took my oath to enlist. I only ever strive to be the best that I can. Welcome to Project Chaos, the radio show that brings you the mindset and perspective of our nation's warriors. I'm your host, Chris Kunkel, a United States Marine Corps veteran, and the author of my newest book, Victory Over Chaos, which tells the true story behind the U.S. Marines battle for Kafchi. If you like what you hear, be sure to visit Project Chaos Dot org. I said earlier that Smedley Butler gave a speech, later published as a book called War is a Racket. It was unprecedented to have a highly decorated general speak out against war efforts. And as a result, the Medal of Honor winning Marine was labeled a peace activist, a pacifist. It's like the opposite of being a Marine. But to understand what all this means, you have to understand who Smedley Butler was and what he did. I said to you that he was a Quaker from Westchester, came from Pennsylvania. I wasn't born in Pennsylvania, but I lived here a long time. I also lived out there in Chester County. There's a lot of Quakers in this area, and I know quite a few. He went to the best private school and went to college in the area, arguably. His father was a a representative in the House of Representatives who was the chair of the House Naval Affairs Committee for 31 years. His dad controlled the flow of money to the Marine Corps. I don't think many people know that. Smedley Butler had his first duty station in the Philippines where he was charged with an alleged drunken incident. We cannot confirm or deny that. Some of the fighting that he did, particularly in Haiti, was amazing. He has many medals for all this, all well documented. But this was all part of the Banana Wars. Not much taught about this in high school now, is there? These were wars in Central America, the Caribbean, and they were called police actions. And they were meant to control farming in Central America, coffee, bananas, sugar, uh, other cheap labor like textiles as well. One company in particular gained from all this was the United Fruit Company, and it's quite a story in itself. That's where the origin of the term banana republic came from. It's not something that's made up. You can research that yourself. The point I'm trying to make is very questionable whether or not these were just wars. Smedley Butler, Butler was a vicious fighter for this cause of corporate greed. His admission, his way of describing it, not mine. Hard to say that these wars had much to do with defending the Constitution or even our national security, though. That's for sure. Going into these small countries and toppling their governments, basically. Any different than war on terror with a new name? Not really. Our, our military has been traveling around the world without any uh, clear authority to be doing what they're doing. But what is the point of all this? Who cares? What does it mean to anybody? Smedley Butler was arguing for peace, God forbid. I say this in my book. The Marine Corps has never started a war. Why do we want to blame Smedley Butler? Because he had the audacity to say that peace was better than war? But that's not what got him in trouble. Smedley Butler was arguing against corruption. He said, it's not fair that big companies are not only making profits off of wars, but also wars are being fought specifically for the benefit of these big companies. He said, it's not good when business and government work together like that. We call it corruption. Smedley Butler was a hero for speaking out against it. He says what he said. It was the crux of what he said. He said, war is driven by profit motives and the accumulation of wealth and power. The real cost of war, he said, is paid by ordinary people through blood, treasure, and emotional hardship, meaning our money, our tax dollars, the the effect that it has on our lives, and then our children go to fight these wars. He says, then the war profiteers exploit conflict for their own gain, leading to vast disparities in wealth. Smedley Butler proposed a plan to dismantle the war machinery by basically saying all the money needs to be paid up front. All the capital has to be provided before we draft any soldiers. Seems like a fair trade, doesn't it? Butler advocated for income limitations during wartime and argues that only people willing to fight should be able to fight a vote on war declarations. Interesting thought. You have a civilian leadership, right? He proposed maintaining military forces strictly for defense and limiting their operations within national borders. Think about that today. We've gone just the opposite direction where they say our military can't be used to defend our own border. What the heck do we have a military for then? Butler exposed the United States involvement in World War I as a transaction to repay debts owed to American financiers rather than a noble quest for justice. He predicted then, this is almost 100 years ago, that future wars will rely on scientific skill and ingenuity and will unleash new horrors like chemical and gas warfare. He was right about all that. Ultimately, his message was for peace, reason, and sanity. That's the story of Smedley Butler in a nutshell. What I wanted to talk about a little bit as you digest all that, and just think about this a second. Imagine if you saw, say, General Miley, right? He just recently retired. He was involved in the botched Afghan withdrawal, which came under a lot of criticism. If we get time, we'll talk about uh, Lieutenant Colonel Stewart's Scheller's opinion on that. Why don't we see any generals speaking out today? Is there nothing to speak out about? That can't possibly be true because there's a whole list of, of former officers that are writing letters expressing their discontent. But that discontent is a little bit different than what Smedley Butler was talking about. I noticed this many times, even when the conflict in Ukraine started, we all watched that. And I thought it was odd to me that a war would start. I didn't even hear the Pope call for peace. Never heard a call for peace. It was very strange to me. Why don't we have leaders today that are willing to step up? The the integrity just isn't there. We talk about whistleblowers. You know, I had a whistleblower on last week, my brother, Mike, who we got to have back because he has a lot to say. I was talking to uh, one of the guys that he worked with at the VA for a long time, uh a Air Force veteran who, just unbelievable what I'm hearing. I can't believe it at all. We need these guys to speak up. If the generals can't speak up, how the heck are the Lance Corporals supposed to speak up? Do you want an environment where everybody stands by and says nothing? Does anybody read history anymore? Does the the name Auschwitz bring back any memories of people not speaking up? It's vitally important to the survival of our republic. I'll say this, uh, as a whistleblower myself, by the way, not in a military context, but having to do with our local government, I'm not afraid to speak up if I see something wrong. It's a funny story. A million dollars went missing from the town budget. Of course, I was going to speak up about it. People didn't like that. I got labeled the same way. And I'll tell you what I found in the course of all that. And my buddy Mike will tell you how much he personally sacrificed in order to be a whistleblower, myself included, not nearly as much as these guys. How much did Smedley Butler sacrifice to come out and speak up like that? And look at what the response was. They didn't say, ah, gee, he has a point. He has a point. Maybe we should listen to him. Nobody said that. They, ah, he's a Quaker. He's a peace activist. He's not listening. He's not He's, he's not speaking any kind of common sense. What did he have to say? He could have had his nice six-figure consultant deal He probably could have had a nice job. He could have have went into a nice retirement. He gave it all up. Nobody really talks about how that impacted his life. And and people every day are doing this. Lieutenant Colonel uh, Scheller, I hope we get to this story. I found out recently his wife left him because of all this. A lot of people can't handle this. Gets to be very difficult. These men are heroes, men and women that speak up coming out of our military. We need to honor them, not bash them. We need to change this whole cycle. We need to respect them for what they're doing understand the amount of sacrifice that they put in during their duty, and then they're going to get out, and they're going to do it again. It's amazing. We need to be listening to these people, not shutting them down. That's what Project Chaos is about, to give them a voice. I'll be back in a few minutes. Many veterans have a service mindset, and many commit their time to helping their fellow veterans. And one of those is my brother Ron Sadko. He has an organization called Top of Illinois Veterans. They host a yearly event that provides pretty much anything a veteran might need, including feeding them for the day. It's an amazing event. They bring together all these different agencies, all these different resources, and they make sure that their fellow brothers have everything that they need. And sisters. They provide clothing, help with the VA benefits, counseling, employment services, housing resources, and guess what else? Even a nice fresh haircut. How great is that? This is huge. Ron goes out there, and for those veterans... To be greeted by another veteran is a really big deal, I'm telling you. And it's not taking anything away from all the volunteers who selflessly, selflessly help with this. It's a great organization all around. The organization is Top of Illinois Veterans. They take donations at P.O. Box 477 Cherryvale, Illinois 61016. That's Top of Illinois Veterans, P.O. Box 477. Cherryvale, Illinois six ten sixteen. My brother Ron, he puts a lot into this. You know why? Because he cares. But he needs help. He can't do it alone. I'll tell you my personal perspective. Uh, those are the veterans that are uh, of us that are a little older and have a little extra money that we need to do our part to support our own. Top of Illinois Veterans at P.O. Box four seven seven. Cherryvale, Illinois, six ten sixteen. This is my brother, Ron. This isn't somebody I met by email. I stood in formation with Ron. He's as solid as he gets. Help him out. The links are in the show notes as well. Here's a little personal story I like to tell. When I got home from the Marine Corps, I needed a job, of course, and I was lucky to land an entry-level position on a survey crew for an engineering firm. Little did I know what I was in for. Surveying, if you don't know, is an ancient art used to measure, well, just about everything, really. On well, the case of Stout Tecanelli, we were primarily laying out new roads, developments, pipes, infrastructure, even railroad lines. It was amazing, really, taking mathematical equations and using it to lay out buildings, roads, and properties. It seemed like back then, if there was a project going on in Montgomery County, Stout Tacanelli was involved. Michael Tecanelli, a little younger back then, was the party chief. We hit it off well because he operates in a very disciplined fashion. It's true. Survey, like a lot of things, has changed. It's all digital and computers now. But just like successful military units, engineering and land surveying still require professional discipline that delivers accurate results. Michael's been doing it now for over 40 years. Of course, STA Engineering has all the latest technology. But it's the decades of experience delivering top quality results to developers and property owners across southeastern Pennsylvania that matter most. If you need survey, help with zoning, subdivisions, business expansion, make sure you get the right surveyor and engineer. Complicated projects require the right professionals to make sure the project is completed smoothly. Michael Tacanelli and his team of professionals at STA Engineering have a long, strong track record of delivering results. Check with any municipality in the area and they've likely seen an STA engineering plan. Make sure your project is handled professionally. Contact my brother Michael at STA Engineering. STA Engineering land surveyors and engineers ready to help make your next project a success. STA Engineering. Ask for Michael Tacanelli. I don't know if you heard about this. This is a big story nobody's hearing about. A large group of former military expressing publicly their displeasure with our military leadership. That's the understatement of the century. I've never seen anything like this in my life. I've never read about anything like this going on. In some ways, you could call this a soft, quiet coup. Really? Here's the simple story. In the Marine Corps' desire and quest to stay, quote, relevant... Marine Corps has come up with a plan, or I should say the commandant of the Marine Corps, we'll give him credit for this, has come up with a plan called Force Design 2030. Now, that's the first thing that ought to catch your eye, that the Marine Corps is going to start talking about what they're going to do in six years. Never in my life have I heard of such foolishness. The Marine Corps doesn't talk about what we're going to do, and we don't talk about six years down the road. We talk about what we're going to do now, tomorrow. Not an attack plan. We'll get to that. I'm telling you that the Marine Corps once upon a time provided itself in reacting within 24 hours to any threat anywhere in the world. That was the promise. On-time delivery, 24 hours or less, not six years. There was all kinds of things in motion to allow that to happen, from air transport, ocean transport, amphibious landing vehicles, and everything in between to make it possible that Marines could go anywhere in the world. And just like the stories I've been telling you for nearly 250 years, the Marine Corps has a perfect track record of amphibious landings. Why would you want to mess with that? Well, they want to say we want to update it. Okay, go along with that. Force redesign 2030. That's where we're at. Well, isn't that a little bit of an uncanny tie to uh, what's it called? Oh, yeah. UN Agenda 2030. How's that? Mm, Very interesting. Smedley Butler saying we can't go along with the corporate globalists. Now we have the Marine Corps following the same agenda from what I'm seeing. I'm going to tell you in my review of all this information, there's something very sinister going on here. Everybody listening should pay attention. This is an absolute threat to the security of our country. The Marine Corps has always been the spearhead, the first to act and the first to react. And now, thanks to some politicized commandant, we're going to take on a new plan. After 250 years of strong history of doing everything our country ever asked, now a new commandant has a new plan. Well, I took a look at the plan, and I'll be the first one to tell you. Some of it's pretty good. I mean, it's got some good points in there. I see they want a new retirement plan that would be more fair to personnel who are in the military but don't retire from the from the military. You know, if, if you um you spend 19 years in the military, you never make it to 20, you get zero for your retirement. I don't know. I guess the Social Security withholding, withholding is done, but the money for the retirement it's a bit unfair. Some people have said that you know, you in 20 years is an all or nothing proposition. You can stay in 30, you get a little bit more money, but essentially they want to balance that out. Okay thought that was a good idea. Uh, I, think, I think I would totally support that there would be a better plan in that regard. But remember, many people prefer security over freedom, and so they'll argue against all this. They'll say that we need to preserve the retirement benefits, that, that uh, we're in a place that either way, it'll be good to let the de- debate unfold, I suppose. Uh, and we'll see this as a positive part of Force Redesign 2030, that our military will have a better retirement system. It's all great, right? I see that they want to improve military logistics. I talked about the planes and getting things around. Wars are won by logistics. Creating redundancies, a logistical web they refer to it as. I support all that. There's a chapter in my book, as a matter of fact, Victory Over Chaos, chapter talking about the issue of logistics. That's how important it is. Wars are won with logistics. And so the guys on the front lines, they need bullets, they need bandages, they need fuel, they need everything in between. They also need food, they need boots, they need clean socks, they need a place to go to the bathroom and a place to clean up occasionally. It's a huge burden. Just to give you an idea, the ratio of support from the front lines is usually two to one. All that to say that I would support that they would make improvements to the logistics system, even though it had a good system. It's something that bears reviewing. Okay, two points for the new plan. From what I first saw firsthand at the poor conditions of the base at Paris Island, I hope this initiative would also gain some traction, that they want to invest in military installations, Marine Corps installations as part of Force Design 2030. But that's about all I have to, good to say about this program. Better bases, better logistics, better retirement program. This plan removes all tanks from the Marine Corps, removes a lot of artillery, reduces Marine Corps infantry, and even less helicopters. With open references saying that we'll leave it up to the Army. Why does the Marine Corps need tanks is the argument when the Army has tanks. I could do a whole radio show on this, and maybe we should. I'll just say this briefly. About two years ago, I read a book by General Mad Dog Mattis. Maybe you remember that name. I got to meet Mad Dog Mattis when he was a lieutenant colonel back in the day. Well, he wrote a book called Call Sign Chaos. Maybe you noticed the theme there. In that book, he talked about this very issue of logistics, and he also talked about the Navy complaining that the Marine Corps was carrying too much. It had grown too heavy, that they wanted to lighten the load, I guess for environmental purposes which as much as you might think it would be a consideration, I don't think that this would be the way to do it. Either way, not me, Mad Dog Mattis explaining that the Marine Corps has always relied on its own security. If you read the book, you'll find out why Corporal Ingram stranded, abandoned on a rooftop in the middle of the city of Kafchi, He didn't call for air power. He called called for artillery. Why? Because he couldn't wait. Couldn't wait for the air power. Do you understand? It was minutes away, and those minutes would have made all the difference. Whether it's airstrikes or air support for security, zero time on target is what matters to the Marines on the front line. That's what matters most, and there's no way you're going to do that by reducing the amount of tanks and artillery are available. So now we have a plan, and we're going to talk about it, what, in six years whether or not it's going to work or not? The plan makes no reference as to how these items are being removed are going to be replaced, how they're going to handle that. The whole document, very wordy, using big words that aren't necessary. It seems to me that this was the general's best attempt at building up his career. The worst part is that the goals are unclear and the outcome is even less clear, especially as it stands in the current military environment. I'm not an expert on the current military environment, but I know a little bit. I see huge vulnerabilities vulnerabilities to our military today that didn't exist years ago because of changes that occurred primarily in technology. Our reliance on the Internet, for example. This is a real issue as cyber attacks become a problem. And so are the use of drones. These are probably the big two. The implementation of drones on the battlefield by our adversaries has significantly changed the way we need to operate on the battlefield, the way we can operate on the battlefield. So I totally agree that some changes are necessary. That's always been the case. Always adapting to what's happening on the modern battlefield. Seems to me that we should be investing heavily in our own counter-drone technology, which we are to some degree, and then implementing that with our own known military methods that we know for a fact work. And I want to be fair with all this. I didn't complete a complete review of this whole report, and I'm not qualified to do that anyway. Anyway. But the bottom line is this. I'm telling you as a veteran myself, I don't even really understand what they're doing. It's not clear. If I don't understand it, how are the Lance Corporals supposed to support it? At the end of the day, my opinion on this means nothing. But you should know this. It's not just me. There's a huge pushback on this. Imagine that the veterans with opinions come out and speak out about those opinions. Is that a bad thing? And and it's not just Lance Corporals and uh, Junior Enlisted, like I mentioned earlier. These are senior military officers that are speaking out in great detail. They've written, sent, and published letters publicly condemning what our military leadership is doing. It's unprecedented, which is why I say this is like a soft coup. But there's something else that I want to bring to your attention about all this. That's the counterintelligence. In other words, the pushback to the pushback. You have here a situation where you have well-meaning veterans doing their best to speak up, saying, hey, something doesn't seem right here. You might want to take a look at this. Suddenly, the establishment doesn't like it. They're going to push back. Now they've created a whole and implemented a whole counter-propaganda campaign. For this piece that I want to share with you right now, it was led by Real Clear Defense. Real Clear Defense is a sub-organization of Real Clear Media. And this is a great example of what you see going on in our media today today. In general, probably why so many people have lost faith in our media. Real clear defense was created at the request of the Pentagon and the Hill, staff on the Hill. In other words, the swamp. Oh, staff on the House Armed Services Committee as well. The whole swamp, I guess you could say. It was these groups, not the American public. That felt that existing defense coverage was fragmented and needed to be one place for all information about military affairs, defense policy, national security, and foreign affairs. I don't remember ever talking to one of my neighbors that said that. They're going to take your tax deductible funds for Real Clear Media, which is the the larger organization. They say that your donation supports all their efforts to help promote an informed public disclosure and debate. They say you are investing in the maintenance of democracy. I would say that is a lie. You might as well send your money to China. Here's what Real Clear Defense has to say about this. There was an article published in Real Clear Defense called Broken and Unreadable. The tragic state of Foreign forced design dissent. Not the forced design itself. The dissent. They're going to put out an article Right? They want to fight with their fellow veterans. This was written by Richard Protzman. I'll tell you who he is, but let me tell you first what he said. The Marine Corps he says weather storm after storm when the nation calls, but no storm has been more disruptive or threatening to the culture of the institution than the persistent public criticism of Force Design 2030 by retired senior leaders and their allies in Congress and the media. I don't know what allies in the media that is, or Congress for that matter. Multiple examples have surfaced just in the last month, including a Wall Street Journal piece suggesting that the Marine Corps may be unable to respond to other crises around the world. And a piece by retired general officers, including prior commandants, the highest rank, also suggesting that the Marine Corps is presently unable to continue serving as a 911 force because of structural changes to the force both pieces are devoid of actual evidence that the Marine Corps has been unable or unsuccessful at any mission or operation, nor do they offer any analysis of the investment and reinvestments made by the Marine Corps. Finally, neither offers a meaningful solution. This is what Captain Richard Protzman had to say. Oh, I'm going to say to you, I have a little bit of a rebuttal on that. There's plenty of evidence there's no evidence of is how this little fairy tale that they promoted is actually supposed to work. It's never been tested. By the way, this is a Marine captain who wrote this. He's a lawyer and a weekend warrior, a reservist. We'll come back to all that. I don't mean to be disrespectful to reservists, but this can't stand. And just remember, he started it, not me. Force Design 2030 was implemented in 2018 by the 38th Commandant, General David Berger. It represented a necessary uh, shift and departure from the ground wars um, of Iraq and of Afghanistan to near-peer multi-domain conflicts and threats. What does that mean in plain, simple terms? The obvious pacing threat is China. Really? Now, and as far as I can tell, I don't know why we would want a war with China. The Marine Corps looks to restructure around the concept of a Marine literal regiment that can provide a, quote, stand-in force and conduct distributed operations in smaller formations throughout the conducted literal environment. I can't even read this nonsense. The purpose of Force Design 2030 is to enable Marines to provide maritime defense and offensive capabilities to a naval expeditionary force in support of a naval campaign. So what does all this mean in simple terms? I'll say it to you in, in just a few words. They basically want to do with everything that the Marine Corps has typically done, and they're saying that now the only reason through this new force design is to support naval campaigns. was a quote here made about this. Um, well, let me say this. The bottom line is um, if the Marines find themselves in a, in a, with a task that they need to seize and hold a position— I promise you that they're going to want to wish that they had the tanks. You can't move into an, an area without having the proper uh, um, armor and protection that you need to protect your, your forces there. When you go into these areas for the first time, you're talking about going into a hotbed. This is what else this lawyer had to say. Up until this, it was just a, a normal disagreement. He said a, a cursory review of the Marine Corps activities in the last 18 months Offers a profound rejection of this suggestion. Notwithstanding the structural transformation, Marines have continued to rapidly deploy in support of a variety of operations. In August of 2021, Task Force 515 and the 24th MU reinforced Kabul and conducted the largest non combatant evacuation operations in history. This guy needs to do a more thorough review. I wouldn't call The Kabul mission, a success, I would call it a disaster. And everybody saw it unfolding. Thirteen Marines dead. Where was this reserve captain and California lawyer when all this was going on? Well, he was writing. While there were more Marines, and I hope you heard me tell this story of what happened there. He wasn't happy about those who criticize his beloved commandant. The little bootlicker was upset. He's what he said. He said, the Marine Corps needs visions and solutions. Force Design 2030 offers a vision. Marines of all ranks and experience need to provide solutions. Oh, really? He said, the publicized debate among senior officers is uh, anti-ethical to our ethos. He says, debate is honorable, but Marines need to have the courage to embrace change and the commitment to see it through. Boo-hoo! What a scam. When we come back in just a minute, I want to talk a little bit more about why this is a scam, how it ties in with everything that Smedley Butler had to say. He predicted everything that we see going on today but now the reserve captain wants to make an argument that we shouldn't speak up about it. Well, we are. We're here. We'll be back in just a minute. There's over 90,000 self-help books on Amazon. 90,000 self-help books with that many books to help people. Don't you think that all the problems would be solved? 90,000 books to choose from. You'd think you could find the answer to just about any problem, right? But with all those books, they haven't solved all the problems. As a matter of fact, there's more problems than ever. 40 million people suffer from anxiety. 15 million people with depression, 8 million people with PTSD. And that's not even touching all the people that are living a life of quiet desperation. People just getting by, people going through the motions just trying to survive. People that have given up on their dreams if they ever even had any in the first place. So why would I write another self-help book? Here's the thing I've noticed about the self-help and personal development business. The information that's being put out there is mostly philosophical And it's mostly the same information being repeated over and over again. I saw a recent poll saying that 80% of young people feel that they could write a self-help book. Well, talk is cheap. I haven't seen any great bestsellers appearing on the list. Fact is, most of what's out there is theoretical, overly general, and lacks clear instruction. It lacks a plan. And so what you have is an entire industry that's selling the same information over and over again. That's why I wrote Be the Lion, to give people a definitive plan for achievement so you can succeed at whatever you want, so you can stop dreaming and start doing, stop accepting and start accomplishing. I'm not what you would consider a self-help guy. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm not a coach or a consultant or a guru. And here's the thing. I'm sharing with you specific examples of what works. By works, I mean methods to approach any goal that have produced spectacular results over and over again. For example, I've often said that if you want to get good at something, do it often. If you want to become really good at something, do it every day. But if you want to become the best, you're going to have to do it more than once a day. In other words, lots of hard work. There's an old saying, those that can't do, teach. I don't mean to be disrespectful to teachers, but here's the point. The personal development business has turned into one of those get-rich schemes where somebody tells you how to get rich and successful, but they're the ones that are telling you how to do it, and if you buy the program, you're making them rich. Yeah, they're getting rich, telling other people how to get rich, but the reality is very few people ever get rich off of the advice they offer. That's what motivational speaking, personal development, and self-help is turned into. Not exactly, but you get the idea. I have a friend that owns a bunch of businesses. Super successful guy. Worth, I don't know, probably over $100 million. This is a guy that knows business. He says, companies that focus on profits rarely achieve it. And companies that focus on solving a problem or a need are usually very profitable. That's why I focused on sharing the simple solutions. Check out my book, Be the Lion. It's available at all major retailers. Be the Lion, The Secret to Massive Accomplishment. Whether you feel like your life's dreams are slipping by, or you just can't get started, or you're mired down by negative thinking, this book will make sure that this year is the best year of your life. Don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. The book is called Be the Lion. Make it a great day. Welcome back to Project Chaos. My name is Chris Kunkel. I'm a Marine veteran. Happy to be here with you today. I'm talking a little bit about Force Design 2030 for the Marine Corps. And not everybody's going to be interested in, in what that means or what it entails. But what I was talking about is, even within our military, some of the propaganda and little gamesmanship that's being played in the media. And I wanted to use this as a story to illustrate that. Marine Corps comes up with this idea of Force Design 2030. Nobody really understands it. There's been this Huge, huge pushback to that. Well, now you have this counter propaganda, if you will, or counter pushback. I don't know the right term for it. And this piece was um, published in Real Clear Defense, written by a Marine veteran, Richard Protsman, who's an attorney in Newport Beach, California. I'll tell you more about that in a second. But he said, in closing, the Marine Corps needs vision and solutions. Force Design 2030 offers a vision. Marines of all ranks and experience need to provide solutions. Where's his, by the way? I didn't get that in the article. Public criticisms have been a needless distraction that have sowed the seeds of uncertainty and doubt throughout the ranks. Marines are being forced to consider competing perspectives when they should be focused on the mission and each other. Who's supposed to make that clear, by the way? That's not supposed to come clear throughout the ranks. It's the leadership that provides that. He says, when highly respected retired leaders attack the institution, it is detrimental to the cohesion and progress of the force, which threatens readiness and lethality. The publicized debate among senior officers is anti-ethical to our ethos. Debate is honorable, but Marines need to have the courage to embrace change and the commitment to see it through. This is a complete scam. I'd like to I want to actually see this guy's credentials that he's actually a Marine. He's a captain in the United States Marine Corps Reserve. It says here on the bottom of the article that the views expressed are those of the author and do not necessarily reflect those of the U.S. Marine Corps or the Department of Defense of the U.S. government. A reserve captain and a lawyer. I'll bet you this guy has never seen dirt under his fingernails. Don't worry, we'll take care of our own. I'm going to be reaching out to him to talk to him about this. Reserve Captain Protsman telling us that we don't have the right to speak up. Now I'll say this, some of you are going to say this, and I want to make this point so you get what I'm saying. How many times have you seen this in the news where they're going to bring in some pundit? And the And Well, it's complicated, you wouldn't understand. We do understand. This is the expert they're going to come on and say, ah, you're not right about this and you need to just keep quiet. Well, what do I know? What do I know? People are going to ask that. How do you know, Chris? What do you know? To, you know, you're referencing, well, here's my evidence. You ready? I now reference Exhibit B. From the United States Naval Institute reported, provided by another Marine captain, active duty this time, Captain Nathaniel Lambert. He says, in part, Force Design 2030 has yet to provide the Marine Corps a suitable replacement for the capabilities of the recently divested M1A1 Abrams tank. See, the prior article didn't mention they already got rid of the tanks and the artillery. It's gone. My unit is gone with no replacement. He said this is it from the U.S. Naval Institute now. While emerging doctrine focused on China and others has little to say regarding offensive ground maneuver and it is not difficult to imagine a future conflict in which Marines would be fighting in more typical ground or urban environments. After all, the world is full of threats to U.S. interests besides China. I think I said about the same thing. As such, Marines must ask how can they accomplish that mission without organic tanks? If they don't have their own tanks. I mean, if we're going to take away their tanks and artillery, why don't we just take away their rifles too? While we're at it, why don't we tie their hands behind their backs? The U.S. Naval Institute says this. Armored vehicles are unquestionably vulnerable to multiple relatively cheap methods of anti-armor attack. This is what I was talking about. And tanks must expose themselves to maneuver close enough to engage the enemy's defensive positions. However, uh, recent fights have shown that tanks still can have a decisive impact during offensive and urban operations. Well, no kidding. It's been proven for hundreds of years. As anti-armor capabilities improve, anti-armor technology and tactics will adapt to increase survivability. What a novel idea. Adjust the armor to the threat, not ditch the tanks. They say here, as such, Marines must ask how they can accomplish that mission without tanks. This issue was first raised back in 2022 by Colonel Tim Barrick, asking, can a light infantry force seize ground or destroy an entrenched enemy, especially in urban terrain without armor? The answer is yes, but light infantry units will suffer higher casualties and face lower chances of success in doing so. Without tanks, an infantry unit lacks the capability to, to rapidly close with an enemy defensive position, reduce its fortifications, and penetrate that opening. The bottom line is that they say the bottom line is they say the marines find themselves tasked to seize and hold a critical position. They will wish they had the tanks. This is a critical mistake. But what's more critical? is for a a publication and a a Marine to come out and say that we have no place opening our mouths, that it's not for us to speak out. Maybe you remember last week, I uh, mentioned a guy by the name of uh, Lieutenant Ted Macy. He spoke out about vaccines and testing that was going on. Was that wrong too? It's not wrong. It's right. It's completely right. And Marines need to do more of it. Our military needs to do more of it. And this is just the beginning I'm telling you, listen, I have a a good friend of mine, myself, and we're about to bring on a third. All whistleblowers in government operations not having to do with the military. In their case, the VA. My point is this. You can go listen to the experts on CNN all you want, but you might want to pay attention to the people that are actually doing it. People like Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. A few weeks ago, I mentioned his name. Let me tell you real quick uh, who he was, and then I'll tell you the story. He became famous due to a video that was published, Critical to the Withdrawal of Afghanistan, which I was also critical, critical of. This is unprecedented that he came out and did this video. Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Schiller was a model Marine by every standard. Maybe you notice a theme here. Every single one of these whistleblowers was 17 years, 17 years of service to the Marine Corps with a perfect record, 17 years of his life. This guy had done things that many people could only dream of. His name is Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. He's got a, a, a mass of a salad plin, pinned on his chest. This guy has more awards and stars than Chesty Puller. Not really. But he was well liked by his Marines. He served with 1 8. If any of you know anything about that unit, you'll understand the, the, uh, the, the significance of that. He was a, called a by the book leader. He became a company commander at the School of Infantry. These are very difficult positions to fill. He cared deeply about his Marines, where he would regularly check on them. And uh, he was even chosen to be a training officer at the basic school, which is where the officers are trained. He might have even trained the captain that wrote that article for Real Clear Defense. Imagine that. I know it doesn't matter to a lot of people. But these awards and these medals, these ribbons were given out for a reason. Now, this is all part of the anti-propaganda, too. They want to say that these awards, these ribbons, they don't matter. That somehow by me wearing a ribbon that somebody else doesn't like it, that it takes away from their service. But that's not true. We wear these medals because we earn them, and we earn them the hard way. Stuart Scheller, for his part, I noticed, because it's always the first thing I notice about being a Marine. How well did he shoot is really the only thing I care about. At the end of the day, if you're in a foxhole with another Marine, I guarantee you there's only one thing that you're going to be concerned with: how well you shoot. How'd you qualify on the range, there, buddy? You can talk and talk and talk, but at the end of the day, when things go badly, I need to know that you know how to shoot. Lieutenant Colonel Scheller had an expert rifle badge, the top honor. Lieutenant Colonel Scheller also had an expert pistol, pistol badge, the top honor. And not only that, but he had multiple awards for both, meaning that this guy shot expert with the pistol and the rifle multiple times. I'm going to tell you, as somebody who shot fourth award rifle expert, 10 for 10 at 500 yards with open sights, it makes a real difference when you deploy. It gives you a level of confidence that I can't really describe, knowing that you can hit a target at 500 yards easily. Lieutenant Colonel Scheller went on to college to become an accountant. He didn't want to do that. He wanted to do something else. He was a warrior. He became a Marine. He cared about his Marines. He spent 17 years serving the Marine Corps. His final stop was back at the Infantry Training Battalion in North Carolina. Many people never even stepped foot on this ground. From June 21st, June 2021 rather, until his firing, following his public cry for accountability that went viral in late August, He had served as an honorable battalion commander. While Scheller says that the attack in Kabul, which claimed the lives of 13 service members, including Marines, sparked him to speak out on the uh, August 26th, 21st withdrawal, and the rationale behind it was more complicated. He said it wasn't complicated for him. I promise you, he didn't hesitate when he decided to speak. It wasn't complicated at all. He knew that he had to. Here's what he said. He says, now remember, this guy was a commander. He trained, he was It was the, the battalion commander at the School of Infantry. He taught at the basic school where he was teaching other young officers. Now he's 17 years in. He's senior, right? He's not in Kabul. He sees this going on. I saw it going on. As soon as they made the announcement, I said it. Marines are going to be dead. He knew the same thing. But he didn't say anything at that point because he couldn't. I keep trying to say this with Project Chaos. I'm free to speak up as much as I want. I have to. He knew that he was on active duty, that he wasn't free to speak up in the same way. There's Scheller. He's watching this unfold. He had to be going crazy. All these people that he knew that he had trained for all these years, guess what happened? He starts to get text messages. And he knew, he felt in his gut that the failure of the withdrawal in Afghanistan was never going to be addressed by senior leadership. And that the conduct of the entire war would never be called into question. He said, I sat there in my chair and thought, I don't think senior leaders get it. He said, I don't think they understand the failures. I can't think that in military history, at least over the last 30 or 40 years, there has been such a monumental failure. And not one person has even acknowledged it. You understand the pain and damage that that does? not just The 13 military that died, they're dead. They don't care. How about the rest of the unit that was there with them that has to live for the next 40 years with this lie? Scheller felt that the only way there would be even an attempt at accountability for the withdrawal was for him to speak out publicly. If not him, then who? If not you, then who? He said, I thought I'll make one video. I'll explain some of the things I think they should have done and demand accountability because that's what I think we deserve. There's been a lot of public speculation regarding Scheller's decision to go public. He sacrificed his entire career. Remember what I talked about earlier about the retirement? He'll get zero. He gave it up. It cost him his marriage. I just learned that recently. I don't know. We need more of these people. The Marines that that spoke with the Marine Corps Times, the Marine Corps Times published an article on this. And the Marines that they spoke with, even though they couldn't speak publicly because they watched what happened to him, the Marines weren't able to say it publicly, but they said, no, we're we're standing by the side of Lieutenant Colonel Scheller. Thank God he spoke up. If Stu is upset by the current situation and the, the lack of accountability, this is what the Marines said, not... Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, not me, not the pundits, not the experts, not the generals. This is what the infantry Marines had to say. They said, if Lieutenant Colonel Scheller is upset by the current situation and lack of accountability, America needs to listen. This is what the Marines on the ground had to say. Not the pundits, not the politicians, not the generals, the Marines that were there. They said that if Lieutenant Colonel Scheller is upset by the current situation and lack of accountability, America needs to listen. How would you compare Lieutenant Colonel Scheller with the lawyer captain, the reserve lawyer captain saying, telling him to stand down? Who does he even think he's talking to? He knows nothing. Look at how the young Marines in Scheller's command responded compared to these college graduates. It really speaks to the level of the problem. We've got a long history, Smedley Butler, Highly decorated and respected Marine. Shocked the nation, shocked the world when he spoke out. Published war as a racket. Everyone should read it and understand it. Predicting the future 100 years ago. Now we have Force design 2030 stirring up trouble. And here's the problem. They don't want to tell you. They're going to talk about what they're going to do in six years, but they've already pulled out the assets, leaving the Marine Corps vulnerable in the meantime. For six long years, do you realize that for some Marines, that will be two full enlistments? Why would we do that? What is the danger that we're putting our nation in by doing that? I told the story, Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. Four days later, we were on our way there. Four days later, we arrived. We had an entire Marine on, Marine regiment on that beach, ready to go. You look at the remarkable act of integrity and sacrifice that Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller has made, a decorated, respected Marine, risking his re- career, his retirement, and his personal life to publicly criticize the fa- flawed withdrawal from Afghanistan. Thank God that he did. In the face of this inv- adversity, when the stakes are high and the path is difficult, These stories of people like Smedley Butler and Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, they can serve as beacons of courage, igniting in us our own integrity and our own commitment. They chose to speak out. They chose to question. They chose to demand accountability, not for their personal gain, but for the greater good. And I've asked this question before. Whose side would you rather be on? Would you rather be on the side of somebody who stands for that or somebody who's going to lie and spread simple half-truths. Somebody who's going to smear the the, uh, reputation of these great men. It's been a great day here at WWDB. Thanks so much to the sound team. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our sponsors. We'll be back next week. I hope to see you there. Don't forget to visit projectchaos.org that's projectchaos.org you can get all the information about my new book and be sure to sign up for my email list that's projectchaos.org I'm Chris Kunkel, I'll see you next week